0: Download
1: our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at PalmerBet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1 800 858
2: 858. The SA Scene. Taking you inside the Festival State's tennis community. Thanks to the thefirstserve.com.au, your home of tennis.
1: My name is Devin Jones, host of the SA Scene here at The First Serve, where each month I'll take you inside the South Australian tennis community. In our first edition, we celebrate two award winners from the Tennis SA Awards in 2022. We get a local perspective on UTR, and we chat to Todd Langman, longtime coach of Tanasi Kokanakis. Let's go! <laughs> to our first Tennis SA Award winner, Golden Grove Tennis Club in Adelaide, who took out the Club of the Year award. I caught up with president and coach Craig Mousley, three decades in coaching and his son Brad played tennis on the ATP tour. I've
3: been there for uh, 30 years this October, so I'm part of the furniture there now. I've uh, been president since 2016, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I do a lot of roles there, but they're my two main roles, um, help out with the juniors as well. so yep I've been there for a pretty long time
1: and what is it about sort of tennis that you enjoy and, and I guess the club itself that sort of makes you want to spend all that time there uh,
3: I mean probably, you probably hear it all the time but uh, I just love the look on the juniors faces especially the, the young kids especially playing orange ball uh, for the first time you know the, the, just the excitement of uh, their first match and getting out on the court and Going from all the training that they've done to finally plan a match, that's pretty exciting, I reckon. So you can just see the excitement on the kids' faces straight away. And
1: and yourself personally, you're still playing
3: as well? Oh, I would if I could. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the knees are no good uh, much anymore, but uh, I do fill in a few times. My son, who's back from the tour, he was helping out with a few of the, the junior kids and got to play a couple of doubles matches with him, which was pretty special again um, after a couple of years away for him. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good. But yeah, I just fill in every now and again, so that when the body will let me.
1: And you mentioned before your son. Uh, obviously, he got to the Australian Open quarters in the doubles, um, which is a pretty amazing achievement.
3: He's actually fantastic with the kids. Um, the kids really love him. You know, he came back, especially stopped playing in, uh, during COVID, obviously, and then he's been helping me there with coaching. The parents, the kids, they just look up to him. He, it's just Brad. It's it's not someone that's played at the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. It's just Brad. And that's what they know him as. He's been there. You know, he grew up playing juniors there from six years of age came right through as I said just before he still was helping out the the juniors he played Div 2 Metro this season um, which is you know, um, he's obviously his standard's a bit higher than that, uh, but he just wanted to play in the team, so then he could help a couple of juniors out.
1: When he made the quarters of the dubs, he would obviously would have met quite a few legends from the Australian tennis side of things. Um, is he still in touch with some of them now as well?
3: Uh, he's got lots of mates, really good friends with Nick, uh, curious. so he stays in contact with him quite often. Um, I think he even went over there for the Australian Open this year and was uh, there with him and Thanasi. He's uh, quite good friends with Thanasi as well. They grew up together here from South Australia, from you know, young age, from 10 years of age. So, yeah, they're really good mates and stays in contact with them. Now, he's actually gone over to Germany now with one of his mates from Canberra. Yeah, they're over there playing club tennis in Germany now. So. Have you
1: sort of seen a different side of Nick Curiosity that everyone else sees? Or?
3: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously Nick on, on the courts can be pretty unique, we'll say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, off the court, he's... A uh, pretty, uh, pretty good guy and, you know, he does a lot of good things off the court, which I suppose a lot of people don't really see. Yeah, you know, Brad's been friends with him for quite some time. And
1: Tanasi obviously winning the Adelaide International, unbelievable achievement. Um, must be pretty proud, especially Brad, for, you know, knowing him so well and, and seeing his journey with, with his setbacks throughout this time as well.
3: Absolutely, he's, um Right from a young age, he's had quite some uh, setbacks, as you said, and for him to win the, um, the tournament here um, did really, really well um he's playing some pretty good tennis at the moment so yeah, hopefully, his body holds up, and I think he had a pretty uh, reasonable year playing tournaments last year, talking to his coach here, uh, Todd. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, go on and with some better things.
1: And I mentioned at the start as well, um, you guys won the Club of the Year award, so congratulations. Very
3: exciting, uh, pretty exciting time, so yeah, that was very good.
1: What's it mean to the club to, to win such a prestigious award, you know, competing against so many other fantastic clubs in SA? Oh,
3: there's lots of clubs that do lots of good things uh, around the state, so we've been pretty fortunate. We've actually won it seven times, uh, so which is we thought we were doing all right, and then we when we got the cup and we had a look to see who was there yeah we've won actually seven times so someone must be doing pretty well there but yeah it is pretty good honour as I said with all the clubs that are doing some great things but we're really trying to pride ourselves on being active in the community we've just got our first clubhouse which is a major part of what we've been trying to achieve and we're over 100 years old and it's our first clubhouse so we've been able to do a lot of things for our members that we weren't able to do in the past and trying to really bring a good family atmosphere there. We helped out with Salvation Army at Golden Grove with some Christmas hampers and the, the local council to help some families in need and things like that. And, you know, we we're pretty fortunate ourselves and wanted to help some uh, some families out that needed some hopefully some help and we might have helped in a small way. And We've got a really good bunch of uh, volunteers. Now, obviously, we're not the only club that has volunteers because we all run on, on the support of volunteers, but we've got quite a few that will help in lots of different ways. We just try and make every person feel special. You know, there's no one's bigger than any other person and any other family, so we try and make everyone feel exactly the same. You
1: recently had a young lad called Philip Fantasia who competed for Australia in the under-14s. So, um, tell us about him and, and you know, it's obviously a star of the future for Australian tennis.
3: He's a great kid, first of all. His attitude's fantastic. He'll listen and he's a sponge you'll take. As much information as you possibly can give to him. Uh, he has actually had some setbacks a little bit like the Narsi, to be honest. He's had, uh, like, an ab strain. it's just been hanging around for probably a good year now. I haven't had a, a lot of training, so for him to actually be selected and um, to actually go away on that world junior team's tour was uh, a pretty special effort, he went over and had a pretty good performance against Cruz over at, in New South Wales which was uh, very good to see and then he had to in the end he had to pull out of the final because he's hurt his ab again so yeah for him to get back on track, he, I mean obviously it's a bit of a tough time with all the injuries especially for a young kid who's felt down and the with covid and couldn't get trained properly and all those things but to actually do what he's done is a pretty special effort you know as a, a testimony to his uh, just his attitude and perseverance i think we'll keep an eye on that name for
1: sure and who are some of the other up-and-coming boys and girls coming through the gone tennis club as well craig
3: yeah uh, i mean we've got a pretty young base there to be honest so i mean we've got some pretty nice eight nine ten year olds that, that are doing uh, fairly well you know the super tens uh, program here so i had some people try out for that which was uh which is pretty good so that's a great program also have a Madison Bishop who uh, she used to be a fairly good junior and then stopped playing for for some time and she was starting to be a, a doctor so she's actually just contacted me around Christmas time and said she wants to get back into it again and she's just playing in the tournament here now uh, but and that's just her first hit in about three years so she's actually a pretty special kid as well well not so much a kid anymore yeah <laughs> a young lady uh, but yeah she's just getting back into it again which is really good
1: you mentioned before um some of the big redevelopments at the club what's that sort of mean for the club going forward and any other sort of plans to to have some some changes you know to make the club even better than what it is
3: the major Thing we've been working on for a long, long time, and I remember seeing an EMR, So it was back in 2004. Was in regards to a, a clubhouse, and we've we got funding f- through the council, the City of Tidoregali Council, which is, they've just been a major asset for us, I suppose, and been talking to Tennis SA. So that has been can't describe how important that is. Just to call something home, people can come back and uh, relax and, and just chill out, which has been pretty good. We've got um, in the process now. We've got grants approved uh, for our courts to get resurfaced. So that's going to be happening at the start of the next summer season and also some new lights uh, some LED lighting coming through so yeah those poles have been there for well over 25-30 years apparently so the expiry date is well and truly done on them so our our complex will be looking pretty good in the next six to twelve months I reckon.
1: What do you sort of feel as though uh, I guess uh, in terms of with other sports like cricket, basketball, footy and that sort of thing as well um, how do you keep kids dedicated to a sport like tennis? Yeah
3: I mean honestly it's you know, we don't even, to be honest, at a young age, we don't actually need them to be dedicated necessarily just to one sport. It is, it is good to go out there and play netball, soccer, other sports. Uh, you know, it's all good for their hand eye coordination, good for their fitness, good for their footwork. Uh, we have kids that, you know, they might not play competition in winter, for example, uh, but they might continue the, the coaching programs, you know, so through the coaching program. So they're still being involved. It is difficult. Kids want to try so many sports, basketball and netball and soccer footy. Probably losing a few girls to football now with the, the, the women's football starting up. But you just got to make it fun for them. You know, they've got to enjoy it. They've got to want to be there. And big thing with that, especially our coaching program, yeah, we're obviously teaching them to try and be tennis players and things. And we've got to make sure they're having fun. I think you also got to be personal with the the people and actually make them feel like you know you actually do care it's not just a business where it's a production line and you're just pushing people in and out being actually personal and uh, being able to relate to them i think it's pretty important craig masley thanks so much for joining us on sac yeah we're we're pretty happy about that we're pretty pleased with it so yeah thanks for having me
1: From the city to the country, Barmer Tennis Club took out the most outstanding club, Rural, at this year's Tennis SA Awards. I caught up with President Justin Buneer.
2: This was sort of planned about 12 months ago. We went along in 2021 to the awards dinner, which was a great night, and just thought we're sort of sitting around a table of 10 of us and we said, why don't we nominate for the uh, most outstanding club of the year in the rural category? And yeah, so we sort of worked away at the nomination over the 12 months and submitted it and were fortunate enough to take out the award, which was a bit of a thrill for all of us. It must be pretty special to be recognised
1: amongst all your peers and must make Barbera you know, a pretty special club to be a part of. Do you want to
2: sort of give us a bit of an understanding in terms of what makes it such a special club? We're a small club in the Riverland. We're a lawn court club. We've got 12 courts. Yeah, we take a fair bit of pride in. We've got about a, just over 100 members. We're 100% voluntary, which is always um, a nice reward to be recognised when um, you're 100% of your members, of volunteers. We take a lot of pride in, in our facility and that. You don't do it for the recognition, but it is nice to be recognised in front of a big crowd at the awards dinner. Yourself personally, you've been involved at the club
1: since your junior level and now you're, you've are you been at the club as a president for 11 or 12 years. Give us a bit of an
2: understanding in terms of your own journey and from juniors to seniors. Started playing tennis about the age of five or six. Played all my juniors at Barmer. Yeah, had a bit of a gap there for a couple of years when I was... When I was in Adelaide and, yeah, managed to join a really good club in the Adelaide Hills while I was down there. Came back, got involved at committee level and that, yeah, took over the presidency probably in about 2010 or 11, I reckon it would have been, and still having a hit these days, still involved with sort of the juniors and that, with a couple other really good helpers that we've got that um, with our um, junior program and, yeah, still
1: enjoying it. I must admit those Barmera grass courts are sensational. When I was uh, working up there in the Riverland a few years ago on radio, they're just so much better for your body those grass courts. Now, <laughs> the competition that you play in, though, are they all grass courts or is there sort of a mixture?
2: Yeah, look, it is a mixture. Um, there's uh, four, four courts, four um, clubs that are grass. Barmara Barry, Lotson and Renmark have um, have all got grass courts, and then you know some other clubs: Wakery, Colby, Marook. Um, Hardcourt venues. I know what you mean about uh, the harshness on the, on the body. Uh, I certainly prefer to have it play on grass these days than, than hardcourts. But yeah, it's, it's nice for a change to play on both surfaces as, as well. And who are some of the up-and-coming stars that we can keep an eye on, uh, both male and female, at Barmer and, and maybe around the Riverland in general? There's some good kids around the Riverland. Yeah, hitting some really good balls and you know hitting a lot of tennis balls. And definitely, the more they hit, the more they improve. And really fortunate in the Riverland that you know we've got four or five qualified tennis coaches, so they don't have to have to um, always travel to get that that extra coaching. And that there's some names to watch out for. Yeah, young lad at Cobby, Tom Nettle, he's going really well. Maria Zanavaris is, yeah, doing a fair bit of travelling to Adelaide and actually playing some tennis in Adelaide. A couple of young lads at, um, from and young brothers, Cooper and Ashton Kruger. A couple of names to watch out for as well. They're not the, the sons of young Lee by chance, are they? You're spot on. You're spot on, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a third one as well, so yeah, the third one, so yeah, Lee and uh, Nadia. Are, uh, Lee's a family friend, great guy. So he used to play footy for South
1: Adelaide, so a very, very good sporting family there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good pets are some good pedigree in that family. In terms of, um, we spoke about this a little bit earlier. Uh, Off air, is it tough to, I guess, um, motivate young people from, I guess, a male and a female's perspective to, to play tennis when you've got, especially in the Riverlands, you know, when it's such a a sport loving town of Barnburg, like you've got you've got your footy, you've got netball, you've got cricket, other sports, basketball as well. Is it hard to motivate young people to play tennis and, and what do you do to keep them dedicated? I know what you
2: mean. There is so much there's so much sport on offer in the Riverland. I tend not to cross over too much with the winter sports. Once the footy finals are finished, the kids are pretty keen to uh, get us to put some lines on the courts and get the nets up so they can dust the tennis rackets off and start to, uh, yeah start doing some hitting in the lead up to the season. We just try and offer different programs, and for the kids and for the seniors as well, to make it um, yeah, make it a little bit different all the time for them. So keeping motivated and yeah, wanting to play for as long as we can. And are you involved with the coaching of the juniors yourself, or just happy being a president? Look, just happy being a president. Leave the coaching to the coaches. Uh, we're really fortunate at Barham. We got a cup. We got two coaches, and on training nights we tend to uh, let them run the training nights, and we just sort of follow along and help where we can. And it must be really special to see some of these young up-and-comers, you know, that Like you
1: mentioned, you've been at the club for so long, seeing them go from little ones to you know, progressing through the levels
2: to, and like you mentioned earlier with with the Krugers. It is, it is. You see them come along to the club and pick up a racket for the first time at a young age of five and six and 10 years later, you're uh, hopefully standing next to them as your doubles partner instead of the other (laughs) side of the net. Probably give you a bit of a tennis lesson from the other side of the net. But no, look, that's sort of... That's what sort of drives me to keep playing. Is just I love love seeing the kids come through, and then you know they progress from juniors into senior tennis. And we've got in the team that I play, in, you know, we've got uh, some older guys, and we've got some some young ones that seen them progress through the tennis uh, tennis journey, and now they're we're playing in the same team together. So sort of keeps That's you wonderful. going.
1: From what what you said today feel as though there's that real sense of community about the barma tennis club and and that's sort of what makes you wanting to be a part of it for so long yeah
2: absolutely we try and you know run a few couple of social events throughout the year and you know we try and make practice not as much about practicing and improving as about you know having some fun and yeah having a beer after practice and that sort of stuff while we're enjoying an ale the kids are out there still um, still hitting tennis balls and yeah Sometimes uh, we're really lucky. We we can turn the lights on at Barmer and kids will hit for as long as they want. Uh, That's wonderful. Yeah, we try and try and just try and create that. Yeah, that really inviting family atmosphere. Not just uh, kids, but mums and dads can. Um, yeah, whole families can come along and enjoy the sport of tennis. Well, it sounds
1: like uh, you're certainly going very very nicely there down at the Barmer Tennis Club, Justin. Keep up the great work as president. Congratulations again on that. First ever uh, award for the club at the recent Tennis SA uh, award ceremony. Thanks for your time today, and I uh, look forward to following your journey. Good on you, Bevan.
2: Thanks for the chat, mate.
1: UTR Universal Tennis Ratings is a big talking point in Australian tennis, with lots of mixed feedback after its full rollout in Australia from January the first this year, being implemented across levels of competitive play. I caught up with Dane Bennett. He's a head coach of Tiger Tennessee in Adelaide to get his thoughts.
0: I think it's definitely a, a good thing, Bevan. My thoughts on UTR are that it's definitely become a fairer way of ranking players on a global scale. It was actually bought in in 2008, many years ago, but it's only really been the last four years where we've really adopted it. UTR is really about giving players an opportunity. It's more of a fairer playing field for all players. Um, You used to have to enter tournaments, get points, and that would increase your ranking in the ranking system. Now, UTR, you can be a a social player, you're playing a round-robin tournament, a a higher-level tournament, or just even a recreational match, and your ranking is based on the UTR against your opponent, which will either go up or down. And the good thing is, you could be playing someone who is far better than you are in a tennis ability and your ranking could still go up. If you're considered to be beaten, say, 6 love, and you win 6-3 or 6-4, your ranking will go up according to their algorithm, which I think is a pretty good thing. What do you think they introduced UTR for, Dane? It's to develop a uh, more of a fairer playing field. So if you think of golf, where they have a handicap, it's almost considered the same, but the scale is on 1 to 6 and anywhere you go in the world, and you can look at a tennis player's UTR rating, um, it will give you an idea of where they're sitting, you know, as a or at least their ability in tennis.
1: Long term, do you think it will hinder or help the development of tennis talent in South Australia?
0: I think overall, I don't think it's going to have too much of a difference of how juniors or players are going to be growing up with tennis. Now, it's I think, you know, if they're hungry enough to succeed, they will so anyway. It's just a different system of analysing their playing ability, really. And why do you think UTRs cause caused so much controversy today? What happens with UTR is you can play against a player with a higher rating than you. And if you lose to that player, say if you were to um, be expected to lose 6-1 or 6-2 or whatever that algorithm has worked out and you were to, say, lose 6-4 or just, for instance, in that one set, they would push the UTR rating up for that player, which I think is a good thing. So on the flip side of the coin, though, if you were to, say, defeat your opponent and the algorithm has projected for you to win 6 love and you win 6-4, then your UTR could potentially go down. So even though you're still winning a match, you could, your rating could go down, which I guess could upset some players. Also, every match counts in UTR. So you could be having a, whether it's a club match, a round robin or whatever tournament you playing, The controversy comes in. So because everything is, everything is being counted, they have a tendency of forfeiting and knowing that the UTR score won't be counted because the match isn't completed. That's where the controversy can come into it. And also what I was going to say was that players that say are wanting to experiment with their game, they may find it hard to do so by going out and knowing that they they may have to play their tennis slightly within themselves because they're they know that their score is going to be counted for the UTR. They cannot experiment, or they they may feel like they can't experiment with their game.
1: Dane Bennett, thanks so much for joining us on the SA scene and giving up your time and uh, for giving us a really interesting insight into UTR.
0: Thanks a lot for having me, Bevo. Good to chat with you, mate.
1: And to round up this first edition of the SA scene, he's a diehard sports fan, grew up in a sporting household, his mum had the tennis genes, and like many kids, tried lots of sports, and he found his way to tennis, getting to the top 100 in Australia, and playing some satellite tournaments as they were referred. But he has made his name as a coach, Todd Langman.
4: You know, my um, business partner, Todd Lay, he was the uh, youngest ever to sign with um, IMG, so I met him when he was seven, I was 14, and and basically we we hit every day from then, um, you know, and and, we're still best mates to this day. So uh, we run a business down at Glen Lee Tennis Club, going the journey with Todd from a young age really sort of helped me grow as a coach. I started just as a 13, 14, 15-year-old just doing hotshot coaching, and once you find out you're not really sure what you're going to do in life and you've got to earn a little bit of cash felt like tennis was probably the quickest way to get some, um, you know, get paid well. So yeah, sort of stumbled into it. Yeah, I guess around, you know, 18, 19, um, started doing some traveling with Todd himself, um, played a few futures uh, overseas with him and yeah, had some pretty good experiences picking up, you know, a couple of points and, you know, nothing, nothing major, but yeah, just learn a lot from his journey. Was then able to put it into my coaching philosophy and, you know, I've had a, I think four or five kids now represent Australia and played junior Grand Slam. Lambs and I learned a lot through Todd and his dad, Max. They went off to IMG quite young and Todd signed with uh, IMG. I think he was 11, you know, and uh, that time it was called Politaries. Yeah, it was him and over So I learned a lot from uh, what Max
1: and Todd had brought back from the States. Yeah, I learned a lot traveling with them also. In terms of your coaching philosophy, yeah, you and Todd bounce ideas off each other in terms of how you're going to approach things.
4: I never really thought about, you know, my coaching philosophy till... Not long ago when I I got asked that question and I played baseball, I played national level baseball and I felt like I was quite a, uh, not a talented player, but I was quite competitive. My philosophy was creating the competitor. You know, I feel like, especially now in in the tennis scene, particularly, you know, locally, I feel like... know too many of the kids are looking for shortcuts too many of the kids are not competitive enough and it's okay at local level they'll they'll get away with it sometimes but definitely internationally particularly get yourself over to Europe these kids over here are just competitive beasts so watching uh, these documentaries of you know, Michael Jordan and you know the champions these guys are just the ultimate competitors you know with whatever they do so creating the competitor was kind of what I sort of led myself to and try and push my kids to become the best competitors they can and I feel like if we can you know outwork our opposition you know we're, we're, we're halfway there you know one of the things that stuck with me for a long long time was once Todd and Max had come back from bols the first time I never forget Max was talking about weapons. And he goes, if you don't have weapons, you're nowhere. And and I remember, obviously, Todd, you know, he was such a, a steady player and, and didn't give much away himself on the court in terms of, you know, errors. You know, but when, I guess, when it came to, to it, you know, probably didn't have the weapons that some of the bigger players had had. You know, we ran into Del Potro. I think we we're in Italy when Todd was sixteen. Todd had just beaten him at thirteen for the world junior number one ranking. Del Potro was ranked two or three hundred ATP, and Todd was sort of nine hundred to a thousand. And I just I couldn't quite understand, you know, where the where it had gone a little bit uh, wrong. Quite clearly, see that you know delpo at sixteen had massive weapons, and and Todd had you know obviously a, a great player himself but probably didn't have those weapons so when it came time to developing for game i made sure that we got some racket speed and and we were definitely going after the ball and yeah that 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 was part of my philosophy too from
1: then yeah i've kind of put a few experiences in and, and created that myself and you mentioned before as well as Tenassi, you've you've coached other players that have gone on and played for australia do you want to mention some of those, Todd?
4: Yeah, so um, I guess the uh, young girl, she doesn't play anymore, but I'm still very close with her. Actually quite close with all my, my players. It's it's quite a – I get along well with the kids. I'm still pretty young myself. And Izzy Riles is probably one of the first ones that went off. And, you know, it was a uh, junior Fed Cup uh, representative for um, Australia. She played uh, in, a, in a young team there. And then, um, yeah, Taylor Whitehouse, uh, she went off and, and played um, – I think it was a 16 and under Australian team and they went off to uh, somewhere in Asia and the qualifiers. And we've worked with uh, Charlotte Campanese-Pox, who's over here in this, uh, in Europe. You know, Edward Winter's been around the place, fair bit, plays for our club. Yeah, obviously Todd Lay's gone on and done a few things, represented Australia, played junior Grand Slams. But yeah, obviously thanasi has been my highest, I guess, coaching achievement. Uh, worked with some other players. Which have given me some really good experiences as well. You know, I had a break with Thanasi once and worked with Yarca uh, Vladislava. So that was a really big challenge for me because obviously, from a professional level, only really working with Thanasi to then doubting myself and and not really sure if if I was good enough as a coach. To go work with her and you know try and get her uh, ranking back up which you know we started to move it she had had to have shoulder surgery herself ultimately she um yeah ended up getting married and, and having children but you know that was a really important part in my journey, going off and working with another player. Yeah, we had really good relationship. We'll speak to this day, so that was big for me.
1: I think that's wonderful that you've still got those relationships. Um, like you mentioned, Todd, and that's a credit to you and and obviously the, the players that you've chosen so well. With regards to Finassi, you started at a young age with him. How did you actually get to, to meet him? I met fanasi because, yeah,
4: at the time I was working with Todd, you know, I think I was around 20, which, you know, 20, 21, well, maybe even 19 actually. I don't know. It was bloody long time ago, but Um, Yeah, I met Thanasi because I was working with Todd and uh, Thanasi's brother Pan was actually uh, playing tennis himself and uh, Trevor was, you know, uh, Pan was really struggling at a local level. My understanding was Trevor did a bit of research, ended up hitting me up, did some lessons with Pan and, and, you know, like I do, whenever there's a kid sort of, you know, hanging around the court, not hitting balls, I'd like to get them on and sort of see what they can do. And, yeah, after probably a couple of months, I got Thinassi on the court as a seven-year-old, uh, very quickly saw that he had, you know, quite a high, you know, he was very coordinated at that time, um, didn't show him too much, uh, just had a hit in the short boxes and and I actually remember, yeah, looking at his dad, there's a little bit here actually and then, yeah, it's just one thing, you know, leads to another, we start doing one lesson, two lessons, three lessons Picked it up pretty quick. You know, we put him in pretty high teams early and was pushed a lot. And, yeah, I just remember one of the standout moments. I went to one of his, uh, I guess it was an under-10 basketball match. He was playing for uh, stir. I think the score ended up being maybe 24-27. Finassi just basically scored, let's say, 18 of the points. Was very keen not to pass the ball Uh as he is to this day, when you play basketball with him, he, he never really passes you the ball. He likes to be the man taking the shots. So um, I very quickly realised that maybe team sports weren't his thing, and I think his dad was quite aware of that too. And 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 yeah, went a little bit harder with tennis and picked his training up, and yeah, saw pretty quickly he had something pretty special, and and uh, obviously. You know, the height was going to come. He was a little bit shorter and a bit podgier at that time. And he definitely had a moth of hair on him. Uh, he's not the beautiful man he is today. that You know, the, all the Insta followers are uh, lining up to like his photos. And he was actually just a little bit stocky, a little bit shorter plenty of hair.
1: In terms of you and Todd, how does it actually work? And, and do you guys sort of sometimes have a few blues in that you, you're both sort of, obviously you've got your own ways of doing things, but you're both coaching to I mean, how does it actually work? I think anyone
4: that I guess passionate about what they do have got their own little ideas, but yeah, Todd and I, we, we work together. I think, I don't even know how long we've worked together for now, but I've known him also since he was seven. So we bounce ideas off of each other. Sometimes my way of getting to, I guess the outcome might be a little bit different and he'll, he'll sometimes wonder how, but he knows me well enough to know that if I'm doing something, there's a reason behind it and kind of lets me keep going with it. Yeah. I mean, Todd's got such a, a great tennis IQ. Like listening to him, particularly game days, like he sees the game extremely well. You know, tactically, he's very quick to recognise things that need to be be done quite quickly, and quick to get some messages across to the at times. So, I think Todd's, yeah, he's just he, he's got a very good tennis IQ. Yeah, just together, we we we. I mean, we run a pretty successful business. It's definitely not Moritoglu's, but it's you know, in terms of you know the, uh, clubs in Adelaide, I think we've got, yeah, one of the bigger clubs going around. And yeah, we've built that from basically scratch. I think when I started there, I had four kids in the club. You know, I think we've got over 33 teams. So it's it's definitely moving the right direction. We've got a few young kids that are also heading off, off to Europe and, you know, they're trying to chase their dreams. So yeah, Todd, Todd and I work well together. We've got a few other coaches there that are you know, very experienced. Have been, you know, they've been ranked themselves. And Steve clasm has been one of the best players in South Australia for many years. Livia Lay definitely been the, the the benchmark in terms of girls playing local pennant in South Australia for the last ten years. I think they've won six premierships in a row, and she's definitely uh, the leader of that team. So. Yeah, we've got got a good team down there at Lee, but um, definitely Todd and I, you know, we butt heads sometimes. I think that's a sign of, you know, good coaching team also. It's not just one person saying yes to the other. You know, we're, we're always... Uh, talking tennis and you know trying to get the best outcome for each individual kid.
1: And you mentioned before some of the, the players that are coming through. And Brett Phillips told me recently when he caught up with you that there was a, a couple of brothers. Um, tell us about them, Toddy, and and some of the others that are, that are coming through to, to keep an eye out. Yeah, we have got two young brothers. You know, Bratislav and Nicky. Yeah, I think they're both really
4: good talents. Uh, Bratislav's uh, you know just gone fifteen. Unfortunately, he's had you know some knee issues just you know, um, genetic knee issues that he has to have. He's had a bit of surgery on already. Um, so he's going to be quite a tall kid. He's, he's he's obviously not been able to play as many uh, tournaments and that's been challenging for him. But he's been heading over to Europe and spending some time on the clay, which has helped develop his game. Uh, he's got a younger brother, Nicky, uh, who I think's, you know, one of the best going around in the world. He obviously hasn't been tested at that level yet, but he's uh, an exceptional talent. He went off to uh, the Davis Cup tie in Sydney and uh, was a part of the, I guess it was an Australian camp. Um, so, yeah, they, they head off to Europe. You know, we talk about competitive beasts that I'm trying to create. You know, we, we, we send them off there and, and they sort of sink their teeth in and try and play as many matches as they can, get their training up, spend some time on the clay, which is obviously very important for their development. Yeah, it's just uh, they're, they're, they're going to be around the mark, hopefully at the right time. So... You know, we've got um, got some girls down there also that are doing some really good things. Sarah Mildred's off at a junior, I guess, Australian camp right now. She's up in Darwin before the two ITFs. Uh, I think she's a, as good a chance as any. Basically, um, yeah, country girl with, you know, a fantastic attitude and and puts in huge effort and um, yeah, she's been going pretty hard and she's going to head over to Europe also. Georgia Plunkett's just got a uh, college scholarship, so she's heading off to the US. Um, Mia Carlos, you know, she's off to Europe. Well, she's in Serbia right now. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get our kids out there and, you know, get them get them exposed to what the world has to offer and, yeah, really proud of of uh, all our kids, really.
1: And how do you see the coaching landscape in Australia at the moment, Tom?
4: Yeah, it's a challenging one. Yeah, I've got a few gripes with some coaches but at the same time I can understand you know they're trying to put food on their table and you know I'm not too in love with as many coaches as we do just getting instant qualifications. I think that uh, the experience of of some of the uh, coaches yeah it's not quite there and I, I see too many coaches in my mind coaching with a certificate that I just don't think to up to standard and, and you know I think the ripple effect is if you look at where Australian tennis is at the moment, you know, uh, that has to play a part in it. But yeah, I just see a lot of, a lot of coaches building financially good businesses quite young. Yeah. Not really helping the kids fall in love with the sport as much as line in their pockets. So it's a really challenging one. Yeah. It's a problem. I think the prices of lessons, you know, from some coaches are, you know, they're very hard to reach for these parents that are trying to have, you know, two or three lessons a week to try and, you know, give their kids the best possible chance to become a player. And generally, you know, if the coaches are invested, it's going to be the coach that's taking the hit financially to drop the price right back to get the lessons in for that kid. So, yeah, there's some coaches out there that will do that, but I would say there's a lot that, that won't and are, are more interested in their own back pocket rather than the, the development, you know, the, the tennis getting better across the board in, in Australia.
2: The First Serve is your home of tennis at the firstserve.com.au. log on to find out all the details of our live radio show other podcasts read weekly features by our team of writers and follow
0: us on social media facebook twitter instagram tiktok and subscribe to our youtube channel